Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. You guys heard the song before? Who sings it? John Lennon. Every January 1st when I watch the ball drop after New Year's, I hear this song playing in the background. And the other day I was driving in my car and I heard it playing and I listened to the lyrics and my heart grew so sad. Because as you listen to the lyrics of that song, you recognize that there's a vast population of people in our world that everything to them is about living for today and there's no eternal perspective. You know, we're talking about a series, we're teaching about a series called You Ask For It, and I get an opportunity to teach about a side of eternity that is far less popular, that's far less talked about, um, that's far less comfortable, to be honest with you, about teaching it, um, but it's a side of eternity that's very necessary for us to talk about, and it's the side of ter- eternity called hell. Um, I, uh, in going into studying this message and in taking time to, to really give everything that I had to it, have been praying a whole lot, have been given everything that I have, and I've just been so nervous because what I realized was this, that there is a reality called hell, whether you believe it or not, whether you give it credence or you don't, there's a reality called hell, and it's something that's not fun, it's something that's not enjoyable, it's something that's not um, something to look forward to. Um, and then I think about having to bring that perspective to a group of thousands of people over a weekend and trying to bring life to it. So before we even jump into this message and before we go into talking about hell, what I wanted to do was just invite the Holy Spirit into this place because what I wanted to be is a, a very sobering message, but I wanted to be a message full of life. I want it to be a message where there's reality and truth spoken, but I want it to be a message where you don't walk away from here down in the deep pits, but that you walk away from here recognizing how good our God is. So what I, I would ask that at all of our campuses that you guys would just bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we come to you and we say thank you for your great blessings, Lord God. Even as we have an opportunity to look towards and to study um, your scriptures and what your word says about eternity and the side of eternity that's far less popular to talk about in church, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord God. I give you my mouth, I give you my words, I give you this time, Lord God. May it not be about notes, may it not be about what's on paper, but may it be about you, Lord God. May your heart shine through in this place. We open all of our hearts to what you want to do in us, Lord God. We say thank you for who you are. And we pray that your life would be at all of our campuses this weekend. And we pray this in your precious and your holy name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, in this series, I got dealt the short straw. The short straw is because I get to talk about hell. And the reality of the situation is, as a pastor, um, you know, you love to teach about things that have incredible life, incredible joy that you're able to bring humor towards and whatnot. And no matter how I sliced and diced this message, I recognized and realized, man, there's just not a whole lot of places for humor. Because the idea and the topic of hell is something that's very sobering and something that's very real. Um, we asked, just as we did in every other one of our messages, we asked and polled you guys and asked, what do you guys want us to talk about? And that's how we landed on this topic of hell. And there's a question in particular that I thought was really nice that highlighted why we're talking about this message in this series. If you guys want to pull that up, it says this. It says, how can a loving God send you to hell if you did something wrong when you're just being human? Everyone sins. It's impossible to live a perfect life So if we all sin, how can God send you to hell if sin is in our nature? 
Now that is a good question. It's actually a really good question because there's a struggle that you see. There's a battle that somebody has that's going on inside of them. And I think it's probably a battle that many of us in this room or at all of our campuses over this weekend experience. And it's the battle of the fact that there are two realities before us. And one eternal reality is the reality of heaven. The other eternal reality is the reality of hell. And we have a very difficult time thinking and justifying and figuring out the eternity of hell. We spend so much time thinking about heaven, we spend so much time um, with, about the joy about that place, but it's really hard for us to even conceive and to actually um, and, and recognize and own and be okay with the fact that there are people in this world that will be condemned to hell eternally. And those people are just like us, they're sinners. They're people that struggle. They're people that have problems. They're people that are imperfect. And so how can God send those people to hell? How can he send some people to hell and send some people to heaven? How is that fair? How is that just? How is that right? How is that true? And so that's where we're going to jump in this weekend at all of our campuses into the message on hell. And we're going to be answering the question, what is hell? Who was it meant for? And whatnot. There are three specific things this weekend that I want everybody to know. There's three specific things that I felt like the Lord said that He wanted me to come and relay to every person that hears this message, whether it be here live or on our podcast later on. There's three things that I want everybody to know about hell. And the first one is this it's in your notes if you have them when you walked on your way in. The first is yes, hell is real. Regardless of if you have the mentality and the mindset like John Lennon does. Oh, let's imagine that hell's not real. Let's imagine that heaven's not real. Let's imagine that what we're living for is today. No matter how you imagine or how you feel or how you think, the reality is hell is real. Hell is a real place for real people. Now, as I dove into this, I recognized what's the greatest difference and people believing in hell and not believing in hell, and I believe it is what you base your foundation off of. And I have to present to you, my, my job right now is not to present to you um, the evidence of why the Bible, I believe, is real and why everything in it is true. Um, that is another day for another time. But what I want to present to you is that everything that I'm going to be teaching you this weekend is based upon God's word because that is the place that I know where to go for what truth is. Amen. that I base truth off of, off of what God's word says. And no matter how much I may like it or may not like it, I have to go to his scriptures, to his word, to know what truth is. And that's the journey that I want to take you guys on right now. So we're going to talk about hell. We're going to talk about the fact that it's real. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about it. So Matthew 3, chapter 12, you guys have this in all of your, um, in all of your notes. Um, I have provided you guys scriptural references, and I've also provided you with a very condensed um, description of what this passage is talking about. I did this on purpose. I'm not going to be reading these to you. I'm just going to be paraphrasing them, just going to be throwing them at you because, again, our greatest desire is not that you come to church and that we would spoon feed you, but that you would come to church and that you would gain a hunger to go and to study what God's word says, that you wouldn't come to church to just hear what I have to say about the topic of hell, but that you would go to God's word and know what he says about the topic of hell. So that's why I provided you guys scriptures and the little um, ideas the way that I did. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. This is John the Baptist teaching. If you know much about scripture, then you know John the Baptist was kind of the forerunner of Christ. He's the one talking about Christ's coming. And as he's talking, even before Jesus had arrived, John the Baptist talks about the fact that God will one day separate the wheat from the chaff. And the wheat he will gather together, but the chaff he will throw away to a place that John the Baptist calls a place of 
unquenchable fire. That doesn't sound very fun to me. Doesn't it sound fun to you? Unquenchable fire does not sound like something that I want to enter into. Matthew chapter 18, verse 9. We're going to jump forward just a few verses. This is Jesus talking in this scripture. Jesus is talking about the fact that there are, um, there are two very distinct groups of people. There are people that are going to be entering into his rest, into his kingdom, into heaven. But there is a group of people that will reject and that will deny who he is and what he has given them. And it says that the place where those people who reject Christ will go, he calls the hell of fire. Again, not a fun thing. Again, not a joyful thing. Again, hopefully nothing, uh, not a place that any of us that hear this would want to enter into. Daniel chapter 12, verse two. Daniel, if you know, um, is a prophet. Daniel uh, sees visions. And in one of the vision, in a vision that he's seen, he's writing in Daniel chapter 12, verse two about a vision that he's experiencing. And as he's experiencing this vision, he sees hell. And as he sees hell, he sees it as a place that he describes as a place of shame and everlasting contempt. Now, I want to highlight that word everlasting, because the reality is, is this not a, it's not a place that you just go for a little bit of time and then you leave. It's a place of shame and everlasting contempt. Again, not fun, not joyful, not a place that I hope that any of us want to go. Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 23. This is probably, if you've heard a message on hell taught before, you've probably heard this scripture reference. This is, again, Jesus talking. He's teaching a bunch of parables. And he gets to a place where he talks about a rich man and a man named Lazarus. And talks about the fact that Lazarus is a very poor man. And this rich man's here with him. And the rich man's not helping Lazarus and whatnot. And go back and, like I said, and read the story. But in this, what happens is, is Lazarus goes to the place that is called Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom. We believe that it is the place, um, the, the prelude to heaven, I, I guess, if you will. And the rich man goes into the place that it calls the place of torment and fire. And then it talks about the fact that there is a great chasm between these two. That Lazarus, in the presence of God, is in one location, and the rich man, in the presence of Satan and the enemies, in the place of torment and fire, is in a very different place. And it says that the rich man looks across the great chasm, and he sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, and he begs him, if you could only give me a drop of water on my tongue, please help me. But eternity's already been set. The place has already been chosen. And the recognition is that there is no going from one place to the other. That's Luke chapter 16, verse 22. Revelation chapter 14, verse 10, talks about God's wrath. It talks about when God's wrath is given out towards man, those people that his wrath is given upon go to a place of smoke, the smoke of torment forever. The smoke of torment, and again, I want to highlight forever. This is an eternal perspective that we need to have here. A perspective that this is a real place. It is not a fun place. It is not a joyful place. And it is a place that will last forever. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Again, this is obviously, if you guys have read Revelation, this is talking about many of the things of the end times. But it talks about the devil and a battle that's being fought and the devil and his angels being thrown down into what it's called the lake of burning sulfur with torment forever. Now, if you've been to Yellowstone National Park, I don't know if you guys have before. I went there when I was a kid. 
And I recognized that it was not a fun place. There was burning sulfur, right? There's, there's, there's geysers that just spew sulfur everywhere. And I was actually just talking with somebody about this recently, this past week. Um, but I, when I was a kid, I, I went to, uh, to, to Yellowstone National Park with my family. And it's really cool. You want to go see the geysers. But if you get out of the car, you start gagging because of the smell, the rottenness of the smell of sulfur in that place. And I can only take that thought and I can only take that smell. It, it almost made me want to throw up every time I got out of the car. In fact, there was multiple times in multiple guises that we went to with my family that I actually had to get back in the car because it was so rotten, the smell, that I couldn't stand it. I was like, I'm going to puke. So I had to go back in the car. Well, take that understanding and take that mentality and just think about a lake of fire with burning sulfur, the stench, the smell, the heat, the power of this place, and then think about living in that place forever. It's horrible. It's terrible. And it's a place, once again, that I hope no person that hears this message, no person in this room, no person at any of our campuses would look at lightly. It's a place that's real, and it's a place that real people will go. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, out of all of the ways that I believe Scripture talks about hell, this one is the one that I personally believe is the saddest. Because it talks about hell Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica and he's telling them, listen, there was a place away from God. There was a place that you, if you choose to re reject and to deny Jesus, there's a place where you will live forever away from God. A place that he calls a place of destruction. A place that is a place that we understand from scripture that is burning, that is death that there is no life, there is no joy, there's no happiness, there's no dancing around, there's no good company. It is a place that was meant to be a place of everlasting destruction away from God. And it's not a place that I really wanna show up at one day. I hope it's not a place that you wanna show up at one day. I got good news for you though. As we go through this message, it does get a little bit better, okay? <laughs> All right. But the first thing that I want you guys to understand and to know is that hell, yes, it's real. Yes, it's real. Go back, do your research, and spend some time on it. The second thing that I want you guys to know, I'm sorry, there's a, there's a quote from John Piper that I actually think is really cool. When we talk about hell and when we look at the reality and the harshness of hell, John Piper wrote this. He says, the horror of hell is an echo of the infinite worth of God's glory. Hell is a horrible place, but the horror of hell is an echo of the infinite worth of God's glory. Chew on that for a little while. We'll get back around to it. Three things I want you to know about hell. One, yes, it's real. Two, no, it wasn't meant for you. Everybody take a big, deep breath. <sighs> hell wasn't made for, you, for us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, it says that hell was actually created for Satan and his angels. Matthew chapter 20, 25, verse 41 is in the middle of Jesus talking about the sheep and the goats. 
okay? If you know anything about the story, he's, it's a whole elongated story. It's an incredible story. Um, I go back and read it, but he's talking about the fact that there's, there's two groups of people. And one group are called the sheep and one group are called the goats. And the sheep are his. He's, he's called the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, look, shepherd looks after his sheep and he loves his sheep and he pulls his sheep in. And it says that the sheep that he knows, he will call into him and they will stay with him. But the goats, he will say, I never knew you. And when he says that to the goats, they are condemned to a place that the Bible tells us was created for Satan and his angels. That's why hell was created and why it exists. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, going on just a little, a few verses beyond that, tells us that both heaven and hell are everlasting. That as he sends the sheep into heaven and as he sends the goats into hell, they are places that will last forever and forever. It is a place of eternity. Revelation chapter 12, verses seven through nine, I think sums it up really well though. And it tells us in this verse that there is a battle that goes on in heaven between Michael and his angels. Michael the archangel and all of his angels around him. And this battle in heaven is going on between Michael and his angels against the devil, Satan, and his angels. Well, who wins the battle? Michael and his angels. And what happens to Satan and his angels is that they are thrown down into hell. They're thrown out of heaven into hell. And there was a place that was created specifically for after that battle for Satan and his angels to be thrown into. It was a place that was never created for us. It was never there. God's intention and his heart and his desire was not to create hell as a place for his creation. It was a place for Satan and his angels to be thrown down into. Unfortunately, with the sin that has entered this world and unfortunately with the pain and all the destruction and all the things that we have brought into this world, we have opened the doors of heaven to us. Hell is a real place, but hell was not created for you. You know, one of the reasons that I felt like the Lord told me to be so straightforward with some of these things and just kind of call it like it is is because I personally believe that until we can understand the severity of hell, until we can understand the horrible place that hell is, until we can understand the deep wrath of God, we can never fully understand the extravagance of his grace and his mercy that he gives to us. That's good. Until we can recognize what he has saved us from, it's too easy to take what he saved us for. When we look at hell, my position on it and what I would try to throw at you is, would you look at it and thank God for what he saved you from? Because unless we recognize how bad of a place it is, how horrible of a stench there will be, and how long you will be there, you will never be able to recognize how good God is for what he's done for us. And that brings me to my third point. My third thing that I want you to know about hell is this. You have another option. The greatest news that you're going to hear this weekend at any of our campuses is that you, sir, and you, ma'am, have another option. 
You've been given a choice. Every person that hears this message has been given a choice to choose life or choose death. And while we may talk about hell and while we may bring a reality about hell and while we may bring truth to what the Bible says about hell, I want everybody to know that you have another option. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that God will rescue those who know him. That's great news. God himself, who created the pits of hell, will rescue those who know him. Another verse that many of us have heard, if you've been around church for any point in time, is John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. John chapter 3, 16 through 17 is where it talks about the great love that God had, that he sent Jesus specifically because of his love for humanity, and it is through Jesus that we are saved. God doesn't just leave it up to your own choices even. He doesn't just leave it up to you to just screw everything up, hope that you can live a perfect life and then go to heaven. He gave you Jesus. And the good news is, is that your other option is life through him. John chapter 14, 6 actually talks about that. It's Jesus saying to his disciples, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life and no one comes through the Father but through me. The greatest news about that is that Jesus is accessible to everybody. You didn't have to just be there with Jesus when he was teaching these things. You didn't have to just spend time with him as he walked through this. Jesus is accessible to every person in this place and every person who may hear this message. Amen. As I knew I was studying for this message and I knew that it was my turn to... Uh, teach. I was watching a movie. And the movie's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. It's a really good movie. And I don't want to ruin it for any of you guys. But there's a scene in the movie that as I watched it, and as I thought about teaching this message, it brought a great reality to something that I want to share with you guys. So I'm going to ask every, you guys if you would show that clip. The hotel is closed. Um, okay, oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to find this guy, this man, Sean O'Connell. I think that he possibly, he might have stayed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a plane for him at one. For 15 minutes. He's at airfield in Stikkisolmur. Yeah, yeah, in the valley, next town south. Okay, where is it? Stikkisolmur. Stikkisolmur? Yeah, no, no. Hey, 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 is hey, it straight hey. down that way? Hey, hey, hey. hey. Where is everybody? Uh, Eldgos! Come on, Eldgos! Eldgos! Yo! Eldgos! Yes! What, are, what does that mean? Eruption! 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 Yes!
Thanks for coming back for me. There's a lot of people in this world that are facing hell in the face. There's an ever approaching cloud of destruction, a place that the Bible tells us is eternal fire and torment that is chasing after humanity. And if that's true, and if that's real, wouldn't you want to know? You see, I'm kind of like that guy that's yelling and trying to let everybody know there is a fire out there that will consume you alive. Don't go that direction. And there is a group of people in this world, a large and an ever-increasing group of people that they would rather live for today then think about the fact that there may be an eternity and there may be two sides to that eternity and one may be trying to swallow them alive as they live for the day. And me and every other pastor that works at this church and hopefully every other person that knows Christ as their Lord and their Savior have been given a command to let every other person in this world know that destruction is coming, but that Jesus is the vehicle out. See, I don't share this with you to scare you, but I share this with you because there is an urgency that if you stand in that place like that man did, that you will be consumed if you don't get in the car. Jesus is your way out. Jesus is actually your only way out. And I'm not trying to scare you out of hell. And I'm not trying to scare anybody at any of our campuses into heaven because that's not my role but I'm here to bring truth. And I'm here to bring it with an urgency. Because if you were standing there and that was coming after you, wouldn't you want to know? You know, I'm reading a book. It's an incredible book and I would highly suggest it to any person. It's called, um, it's by a, an author named Matt Chandler. Um, and I'm going to pull up a quote from him here. I believe they have it. But Matt does an incredible job of just pulling in um, just the idea of what I'm trying to relay to you guys. It comes out of his book called The Explicit Gospel, and he says, knowledge of and belief in hell, as important as they are, are unable to create worshipers. Yet misunderstanding this reality is, is historically how the doctrine of hell has been abused and misused by so many men in the name of God. You can scare people into coming to your church. You can scare people into trying to be good. You can scare people into giving money. You can even scare them into walking down an aisle and praying a certain prayer, but you cannot scare people into loving God. You just can't do it. You can't scare them into moral acts of goodness, but that's not salvation. It's not even Christian. Why do I share that with you? Because I want to let you know, 
I am not trying to scare people to come into our church. I'm not trying to grow our church by scare tactics, by having people run from hell as fast as they can. I am trying to let you know that God is not either trying to scare you, but he is looking for a group of people who are willing to bend their knee to him in worship. God's greatest desire is not to condemn people to hell. God's greatest desire is to see his creation bend their knee to him in worship, accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus, and live their lives with life. I'm gonna invite our worship teams up from all of our campuses to come up. We're gonna go into a close here. We're gonna go into a time of worship. But before we do that, and before we enter into the time of worship, I wanna let everybody know something. Even though my goal is not to grow our church, this weekend I have a captive audience. And I wanna let all of you know something. Today, that fire's coming. And it's coming in an ever-increasing pace. And God is extending his hand of grace and his hand of mercy and his hand of life and of love through his son Jesus to you. And if you do not know him, you will be consumed by that fire. But all you have to do is get in that car. It's as easy as accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you to escape the eternal fire. I don't even have time to talk about how good heaven is. We've touched on that. Go back and listen to it. But it's not just escaping fire. It's entering into the greatest place ever. You know, it's um, the question that we asked at the beginning of this message had to do with how can a good loving God create people who then fall, who sin is in their nature, how can he send them to hell? Well, I want to pose a different question to you. And the question that I want to pose to you is this. How can a perfect God who surrounds himself with only that which is perfect, who has created a perfect place for his initially perfect creation, let's sinners into heaven. How is that right? How is that just? It's actually a far more difficult question to answer than the other because I can recognize that because of my sin, because of my selfishness, because of my pride, because of everything that I have within me that is not good, I can see how I should go to hell and spend eternity there. But I'll tell you what, I will praise God forever that he has given me his son so that I can live in eternity in the perfect place. At every one of our campuses this weekend, we, uh, we're gonna go into a time of worship. We're going to a time where we bend our knee to our creator and we say, you are God and you are worthy of all of our praise. We're gonna go into a time where our communion is gonna be open and maybe it's time for you to go and take communion and recognize the cost that he paid for you and recognize the fact that there is a great severity of punishment for those who do not know him, but there is incredible life for those who do and that you today can have that life. And all of our campuses, as we go into that time, I just wanna encourage you, if you do not know Jesus, if you are far from him or if you feel the fire approaching you, and it's time to get in that car, and it's time to let Jesus take you away, today's the day to do it. On your way out at every one of our campuses, 
you will find somebody holding these salvation packets. They are simple, they are to the point, but they are full of life. Church, my heart, my greatest desire is that everybody that I come in contact with, everybody that I have the opportunity to share the love and the life of God with would get in that car. And that they would flee from the side of eternity that I hope none of us show up in. Today you have a choice. Today you have set before you a choice to accept it or to reject it. But it's real. It wasn't meant for you, and you have another option. Church, if you guys would stand to your feet, we're going to enter into a time of worship, of communion, a time of giving God the glory that he's due, praising him for his son Jesus, and accepting his life, and recognizing what he saved us from.